Look, I know I'm late, and I'm very sorry for being late, but today I'm going to tell you why the White Sox would have won the 2006 World Series with Jock Jones at center field here on Locked on Sox. You are Locked on White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Sox. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Sox. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Today is Wednesday, January 12th. I'm sorry to all of those who listen to the podcast early and at midnight. The show was late because I ran into some microphone issues. Thankfully, my girlfriend has the same exact microphone. We had to go to her mom's and get it. So took a little bit to uh, go pick up the new microphone, but the new microphone is working. Hopefully sounding fine in the closet. And I'm excited to talk White Sox with you. Today, we are continuing the Monday mailbag. It is Wednesday. We'll call it What Up Wednesday. And on the last episode, I gave you a little bit of homework. I gave you a question at the end of the last episode, and we are going to answer that question today. I asked, if we had a hypothetical budget of $18 million, would you rather have Kyle Schwarber signed at $15 million per year and have $3 million to spend somewhere else, or would you rather spend $10 million on Eddie Rosario and have $7 million to spend somewhere else? We'll answer that question today. Then I will give you a right field free agent tier list. We've been talking so much about right fielders, Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, Kyle Schwarber. Let's just get into how I see these guys ranked and you know if all things go wrong for the White Sox, who is really like our last resort if they're not able to sign one of the bigger names. And then our guy Mike from Indy wrote in and we have a what if Wednesday question that we will get to. I did a lot of research into that and you heard in the cold open a little bit of a a sneak peek there that I think the White Sox might have been able to uh, go back to back in 2006. So we'll talk about all that here on Locked on Sox. So the question was Kyle Schwarber for $15 million and have $3 million for somebody else or would you rather have $10 million for Eddie Rosario and $7 million to spend somewhere else. We will go now to Alex to continue the mailbag. Alex asked the original question about Eddie Rosario and the White Sox, and we will go to him first with his answer. What's up, Sean? Alex from Bolingbroke. Thank you so much for uh, giving your thoughts about Eddie Rosario. In my choice, between $15 million for one year for Kyle Schwarber or $10 million in one year for Rosario, I'm going with Rosario. Now, what question you wanted to ask us was what to do with the other $7 million, and here's how you divvy it up. You give $5 million to the Boston backup shortstop, Mr. Jose Iglesias, to be our everyday second baseman. I see him as a better version of Larry, more consistency, and I'm sure he would be willing to take uh, a sort of a pay cut in order to be an everyday starter as opposed to a higher amount of money in order to be a backup. Now, what do you do since $5 million is going to Iglesias? you got $2 million left. Well, you bring back someone who's become probably the most beloved underdog this team has ever seen. Someone who started off as kind of a no-name, but has become probably one of the most beloved players in Chicago White Sox history. Cancel your Disney Plus subscription because you got enough Hamilton on the south side of Chicago. Give $2 million 
bring Billy the hitter back. I'm curious what you think about the concept of both Jose Iglesias as well as the return of Billy Hamilton to the White Sox. Thanks and have a great day, brother. Thank you, Alex, for always calling in 312-566-8727, or you could write in at LockdownSox at gmail.com. You could be just like Alex and call in and give your thoughts, 312-566-8727. Hope you're having a good day, too, Alex. Thank you for participating, as always, and I appreciate you getting the, the ball rolling on the Eddie Rosario conversation. You're going with Eddie Rosario. You've been thinking about him a lot. I understand it. I don't know if I love him just because of the defensive liability and I know that I want to go with Schwarber but I think Schwarber is such a a more quality bat and that's why he costs more but if the Sox are really going after a guy who cannot play defense I think they need to spend the most amount of money on the guy who can hit the best and I I see that as Schwarber but I, I like the idea of thinking about Jose Iglesias the thing with Iglesias too is he had a really confusing 2021 the Angels signed up for $3.5 million, and then with the Red Sox, he was around half a million because he signed midseason. So I, I think that you could probably get him for around 4 to $3.5 million. So you would even have more room to sign different players. I, I think if you want to get Eddie Rosario for 10 Jose for 4 and then have $4 million, $4 extra million for a backup catcher, there's not a lot on the market. But I think that could be a feasible route. And you bring up Billy Hamilton near the end. I don't think he's going to cost that much money, and I I do think that he's going to try to get a major league contract, and if he doesn't get one, I think the White Sox are going to be his team that he signs a minor league deal with. We can see minor league deals signed right now. I wouldn't be shocked to see if Billy Hamilton did sign one, but I think after the season that he had, it seemed like he really bonded with this team. It seemed like he liked Chicago, and I think that if he had you know, no options to make a major league team, but he would get a spring training invite from the White Sox and you know a minor league deal, I think he'd take that because I, I think he knows that they need outfield help. He's been in a spot before they rely and trusted on him last year. So I, I think that Hamilton might be a little bit cheaper, and I don't know if we have to work him into the offseason plan. I'd like to see Billy back. I think he's good depth, and I think that he brought a lot of great energy. And the, the fun part about those guys, too, and I, I think that's what makes guys like you know the the idea of remember some guys the idea of guys like baseball guys guys you remember just their name like guys that are worth 85 ops or 85 weighted runs created plus like those guys still have those major league moments and i think that we forget about them like yeah billy hamilton was known for stealing 100 plus bases in the minor leagues and kind of being a disappointment as a major league player but i mean he had a as much of a defensive major league moment as anyone in in 2021 in the outfield. So I just, I'd love to study guys. And it's always so fun to remember those guys that had those really awe-inspiring moments because it just shows you how deep baseball is. I mean, anyone can have a three-homer night. Hello, Sebi Zavala, you know what I'm saying? So I I, I would like to see Billy back, but I think you're going to get that uh, more of a minor league deal. But Iglesias is an interesting one. I don't know if he's an upgrade over Leary, but it gives them positional flexibility to use Leary and how he's best utilized as a utility player. So I don't dislike the Iglesias idea. And honestly, I think the biggest takeaway I take from thinking about Rosario plus or Schwarber plus is that idea of quality over quantity. I think the White Sox truly just do need two more pieces to finish out this roster. And I think they need to make them quality pieces. Conforto, Schwarber, if you're going to go get a piece, go out and get the piece. Don't get a piece. 
that's really the biggest takeaway that I'm getting from all of these exercises over the offseason is the White Sox need to be aggressive when the market opens back up post-lockout. Now, I posted this question on Twitter as well, and we got a response from a Twins fan at KeatN34, K-E-A-T-N-34 on Twitter, and he reached out and he said, Eddie Rosario was and still is a very good fit for the Chicago White Sox. So this is enemy scouting, thinking that Eddie Rosario would be a good fit for the team. You know, I really do love his his low K rate. He, he takes a decent amount of walks. I love his power. Like, as a hitter, I love Eddie Rosario, but I just worry about the defense, and I, I worry that the bat might be quiet at points. The bat might not show up for months at a time. It might be Cesar Hernandez-esque. Eddie had a fantastic postseason, but in Cleveland, he wasn't that good, and his best career season, at least number-wise, came all the way back in 2017. So I really do like Eddie Rosario. I just don't know if the defense is there enough for them to really, truly pursue him. And finally, which is going to lead us into our tier rankings, we had Dan, who suggested originally the budget question of if you had 5 to $10 million to fill out the White Sox roster, how would you do it? We thought, all right, let's clear some cap space. Let's get rid of Dallas Keuchel. Let's get rid of Craig Kimbrell, and then let's go and sign Colin McHugh. Let's re-sign Carlos Rodon, and then that left us about $18 million to play, and that's where we stand. Dan, who wrote in that question about the budget, is coming in with his answer, Dan from the 219, and he said, Hey, Sean, glad you won your bet. Thank you. I bet it on the national championship. I picked Alabama. That money's gone. To answer your question, clearly Schwarber is the optimal choice, but I don't see him leaving Boston and could see him getting around $18 million from them. Rosario is a good choice. However, my choice is the secret option. Jorge Soler. Ooh. He offers more at the plate and surprisingly has a higher fielding percentage than Rosario. I'm guessing this plan also involves Sheets slash Vaughn slash Abreu slash Grandal as a rotating DH. Dan finishes by saying, dash my dream, Sean. I'm not a negative person. I'm not trying to destroy your dreams, Dan. Come on. I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to help you out. He says, tell me why we can't package Vaughn slash Sheets with Jared Kelly and other pieces to get Cattell Marte. Well, that's a completely different question there, buddy. Thanks as always for your time and go Sox. Go Sox, Dan. Thank you for writing in. I appreciate your time for uh, for writing that email. I to, Just to talk about the Marte thing, if it happens, it happens. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, I think Cattell is a very good piece. I, I would like that the White Sox would add him, but I do worry about his injury issues, and honestly about the price. I mean, you, you mentioned Vaughn slash Sheets. I look at that as Vaughn is way more valuable than Gavin Sheets. So if it, it's not really one or the other, it would have to be Vaughn, I think. Vaughn, Kelly, and then you said other pieces like Micah Adolfo, I think, or, or Jonathan Stever. I think that price is just getting to be too expensive. I, I don't think they need him. The reason why I'd like Cattell Marte on this is because of his flexibility, I like him best in center field, though. I don't think he has a great arm for right or left. So then you're really just stuck with a second baseman. And that's fine. The The team needs a second baseman. But I'd, I'd rather have Jose Iglesias. I mean, if, if you know Alex suggesting that, I'd rather have him for cheaper. You don't have to give up assets like Vaughn. You still have Liuri's ability to play around the diamond. And I think save Kelly or Stever or Adolfo or any of those guys for midseason acquisitions. I don't know what this team's going to need. Maybe they need a right fielder again. Maybe, you know, whoever they assign doesn't work out. Maybe an injury happens with the starting pitching. 
I think they need to save some of this ammo because you never know what this team's going to look like come July. I think just unloading to get Marte might not be the smartest thing. So I'll, I'll dash your dream a little bit there. But to go to Soler, it's an interesting name. I think if they were to sign him, he would get a lot of run at DH. There's a reason he was in Kansas City hitting 40 bombs as their DH and not in the outfield. I understand that fielding percentage is something that you brought up. Um, I'll, I'll try to debunk that a little bit. Soler in 2021, 750 innings, 141 putouts, three assists, three errors for a fielding percentage of 980. Rosario in 2020, 819 innings, 171 putouts, four assists, three errors, 98.3 fielding percentage. Rosario played more innings, had more putouts, and committed about the same amount of errors. And to go a little bit more deeper, too, I, I really like outs above average. Soler in right field in 2021, he was worth negative seven outs above average. Rosario in the outfield, he was negative one outs above average. Soler does have a better arm, but all in all, they're just not good outfielders. So, and, and they're really in a tough spot. I, I talked about quality over quantity. I, I think that they're best off just going after three great pieces rather than, you know, six kind of slapped together pieces. And I, I feel if we go down this road too much, we might find, you know, guys that have had really good careers like Jose Iglesias, Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, but they might not be over the top pieces. I could be wrong too, because two of those guys Soler and Rosario were on the defending champs. So we'll see. And I do have the tier list coming up. I'll, I'll, I'll show you where I think these guys kind of rank. So you have a better idea of what I think of Jorge Soler, what I think of Eddie Rosario and Schwarber and Castellanos. All that's coming up. But I know your life choices aren't just limited to who's going to play right field for the White Sox. You also have the daily struggle of what built bar you're going to eat. Are you going to go with the coconut almond? Are you going to go with the raspberry? Are you going to go with the peanut butter brownie? Are you going to go with the cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie? You can make your own tier list of built bars. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. With most protein bars, you're wondering, where's the chocolate? You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. Built Bars are made with 100% real chocolate, and compared to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. I already mentioned all of their normal flavors, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, etc. but there's always new and limited time flavors at Built.com. If you're looking to add this to your plan this new year to help out your resolutions, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. talking about the cream of the crop cream always rises to the top when we're talking about right fielders for the chicago white sacks if you don't know how a tier list works and thank you for making lockdown white Sox your first listen each and every day if you don't know how a tier list works it's basically like a power ranking but the tiers give it more weight right if you're in tier one you are the goods right if the white Sox sign one of these tier one guys I would say everyone would be happy that the White Sox went out and signed that guy, right? And so on and so forth. If you're in tier two, it's a little worse than tier one, but not too off. If you're in tier three, worse than tier two, but not as bad as tier four. And if you're tier four, I mean, that's like 
bottom of the barrel scraps we are looking because we're desperate we 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 ran out of every single other option so that's how our tier ranking is going to work and without further ado tier one number one the number one player for the white Sox for right field options the number one player in tier one is kyle schwarber i've talked about him on the podcast i think if you put him in that left-handed batter's box at guaranteed right field, you're getting 40 home runs from Schwarbo, all right? I, I think it's just going to happen. And I understand that his defense is, you know, there's a lot that is left to be desired there, but I think Andrew Vaughn can play all right. I think they need to increase the shifting percentage of when he's out in right field. I think they need to help him a little bit more, but he seems athletic and smart enough to get a hold of the position. And the White Sox have also had a lot of difficulties filling out the DH spot consistently. You are getting a high OBP guy. You are getting a lot of home runs, and I would love to see him in a White Sox uniform. Along the same lines, left-handed bat, Michael Conforto. He's number two. He's still in tier one. If the White Sox get Michael Conforto, I would be happy. He's a more all-around player. He can play defense. He can provide power. He can get on base. There are some concerns that 2021 was a bad year and that he might not be able to follow it up. I'm not too concerned. Sometimes guys just have a bad year. If you look at the peripherals, if you look at all of the data that you get in baseball nowadays, it shows that Conforto is still the same guy. He didn't get the results that he wanted, but I think with a full offseason, new contract, new team, new faces, new place, new face, I think that he could bounce back and be a really good addition to the White Sox. In Tier 2, the only guy in Tier 2, the number 3 player, is going to be Nicholas Castellanos. I understand 2021 was a big year for Castellanos, as that's going to be a deep drive into right field, and it's going to make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm ever going to put this headset on again, right? And I guess that was more 2020, but people didn't stop saying it so much that his wife was like, guys, you need to stop saying this whenever my husband hits a home run. But shout out to Castellanos. Good dude, just can't play defense. And I think He's kind of like Schwarber, but he's more of a hitter. He's more Johnny hitter rather than Johnny gets on base. You know what I'm saying? Like Schwarber can take a couple walks. Something I also love about Schwarber too and watching him while he was on the Cubs was he takes a lot of pitches. I mean, at least when he was younger. I mean, he can have nine, ten pitches in that bat. I love that. Castellanos, very aggressive. He's not going to walk. He's just attacking. He's just trying to knock the hell out of the ball, which I love and appreciate. But I don't know if that's the type of hitter I want on the White Sox. But again, he's a dangerous hitter. He can produce. He can hit a ton of doubles. He could hit a ton of home runs. He would be a welcomed addition to the White Sox. But I would see him honestly playing more of, of DH rather than right field. Right field's a tough position. He's not that good at defense. Tier three, we're going to go with our number four player. It's Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham, everybody, of the Cardinals formerly and most recently of the Padres. And I want to talk about his time with the Padres. He's mainly a left fielder, not a right fielder. I don't know if he can make that transition. I don't love his defensive metrics. He hasn't played right field in a long time. He was better with the Cardinals defensively than he was with the Padres. I don't want to say fell off a map, and he was also with the Rays too. I don't want to say fell off a map, but he wasn't good. <laughs> he wasn't good at all uh, in, in, in the outfield in San Diego. But he's a guy with a lot of interesting numbers, a lot of interesting narratives going around with Tommy Pham. Uh, he's become less aggressive. In 2019, he was swinging at 25.5% of first pitch strikes. In 2021, 21%. So he's becoming less aggressive. But I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me was his lack of success at Petco Park. If you look at his numbers from 2020 and 2021, 
at home. He had 290 at-bats at home. He hit 186, 312, 300. That's not good. That's a OPS of 612. Yikes. But when he was in a San Diego uniform and not in Petco Park, in those 294 at-bats, he hit 265, 353, and 439. Much, much better. He can take a walk. He's got a good eye. He, I mean, 350 OBP, uh, pretty decent walk to K rate. It's not, you know, anything like, you know, one to one, but I mean, just, just in 2021 alone, uh, at home, 45 walks to 78 Ks, and then away, 33 walks to 50 Ks. So, I mean, he, he still racked up around 78 walks, I think, in total, which is good. So I think a, a change of scenery and maybe putting him in a different park would be a good boost to Tommy Pham. So Tommy Pham is my fourth outfielder and my first outfielder in Tier 3. Next in Tier 3, Eddie Rosario. Hey, we talked about him. I don't love his defense. I think that he can go cold, but overall, I like his power. He's a low strikeout guy. I think that he could add something to this team. And then finally, number 6, Jorge Soler. Kind of in the same boat. Worst defensively, huge, huge bat. I, I see him as a worse version of Schwarber, a worse version of Castellanos. I do like Soler, but more as a DH option than anything. Finally, tier four, we got five guys in here, and I don't want to touch on them for too long, but number seven, Corey Dickerson. He's more of a platoon guy. He's a left-handed bat, cannot hit righties, but he'll give you okay defense, and he'll give you an okay bat, especially when he's facing right-handers. Number eight, Andrew McCushion. He still has a very solid bat. The defense has fallen off, and he's not really a right fielder. Number nine, Jack Peterson. He could play right field, but like Corey Dickerson, he's a platoon guy. He can't hit lefties, mostly a right-handed hitter. They liked him in, in 2021, so maybe that might be the most uh, possible name out of Tier 4, but uh, Peterson, I don't know if I love. Number 10, Kevin Pillar. His bat's declining. His defense is declining. That's scraping bottom of the barrel. If the White Sox sign Kevin Pillar, we have a problem. And then finally, number 11, Alex Dickerson of the Giants. You know, maybe there's something there, but it really does seem, especially after 2019, he's fallen off. And I don't know if there's a lot of magic left in that bat. But those are the guys that I like for right field. Maybe I don't like all of them, but they're guys that I think could be signed by the White Sox and could be a part of the rotation or some type of platoon for your 2022 White Sox. I don't know if I'd bet on any of them. Maybe I'd bet on Conforto if I had to say one of these guys would sign with the White Sox. I think they like Conforto the most, so maybe if I had to place a bet, I'd put Conforto, but it's still up in the air. But I do know if I was going to place a bet anywhere, anywhere in the world, I would place it at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and there's a new updated desktop and mobile website. Go to betonline.ag to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, baseball, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2021. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. So again, go to their new updated desktop and mobile website, 
betonline.ag and sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, where the game starts. Shout out to Mike in Indy who said he was going to write in every week and has. Mike from Indy has written in and he's wondering about White Sox what ifs. Hey, Sean, in the past few weeks, a couple of White Sox podcasts I listened to. Is, are there any other? Mike, what other podcasts are you? Come on. just let, I know I posted today's late, but you can. I mean, do you have to go cheating on me, Mike? You don't have to mention that you're going and cheating on me. I don't love that. But. The podcast, the other podcast that he listened to, brought up some what-if type of scenarios, and I'd like to bring that combo to our lockdown universe. I'm having a tough time thinking of what I would go back and change. I just keep going back to Game 2 of the ALCS in 2005 and AJ's drop third strike. I obviously wouldn't change the outcome of the game, yes, but it's such an important coin flip type of play. What I mean by this, instead of AJ saying, F it, why not, and running to first, what if he just walked back to the dugout? Or what if the catcher tagged him, just in case there was any chance the ball hit the ground? So let's just say he's out. Now what? The game's still tied 1-1 to going into extras? We'd probably just walk it off in 10 or 11 anyway, right? But what if we go down in the series 0-2? Sox in 6, Sox in 7, or dare I say the Angels win the World Series? Fast forward present day, looking ahead to the 2022 series in search of our first World Series in 105 years. Mike finishes the email by saying the conversation in question was inspired by the new Spider-Man No Way Home movie. If you can go back in time through the White Sox multi-universe, what would you go back and change? That's Mike from Indy. Mike, thank you for the note. And I won't go too much into the 2005 ALCS. It's what happened. And I, I don't know how that series would play out. You're so early into the series that I guess it does provide a lot of what if questions. So I guess that's why it is a good question. But they won. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to think of having some loser streak of 105 year plus. Like, come on, I don't. I don't need this. We we had we went 80 something years. That was fine. You know, we're 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 now on 16, and that's feeling like 88. So let's let's just celebrate 2005. I don't need to be changing anything about that. How about 2006 though? Could we could we change some stuff about 2006? And I want to take you even before the White Sox broke that streak, even before the drop third AJ strike, I want to take you to the offseason of 2004. You might remember the name Alex Rodriguez, and he signed a big, big contract with the Texas Rangers of $252 million. And the Rangers at the time, and still do, sucked, and they couldn't afford it, and A-Rod wasn't happy, so he was looking to get out. And one of the teams that was interested were the Boston Red Sox. And a three-team trade was proposed and accepted by the Boston Red Sox, but it was declined and not approved by the MLBPA because A-Rod was going to take a pay cut. They did not want the man, the multi-million dollar man, the man with the biggest contract in the sport, to take a pay cut. Would have set a bad example. But the proposed trade was Boston would have gotten Alex Rodriguez, Maglio Ordonez, and Brandon McCarthy. The Texas Rangers would have gotten Manny Ramirez and John Lester, who just retired today. And the White Sox would have gotten Nomar Garciaparra and a reliever. That's all the information. <laughs> that's the, all, all the information that uh, that the White Sox uh, would have gotten was Nomar 
and a reliever. You know, they, they really do seem like they're getting screwed here. They're giving up Maglio, who they would have not signed. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Goes into the what if. Um, but Maglio wasn't going to sign. He was about to be a free agent. And Brandon McCarthy ended up getting traded a little bit later. So the White Sox really weren't losing anything. It was just more Maglio for Brandon McCarthy. But what? Does that mean then Juan Uribe is not our starting shortstop for 2005? I wouldn't like that. But since that trade got declined, a lot of things happened because of it. The Sox wouldn't have gotten John Dinks. Brandon McCarthy was traded to the Rangers in December of 2006. That was the deal that brought John Dinks to the Chicago White Sox. And also because of that trade, if that trade wasn't made, Brandon McCarthy going to the Rangers, John Dinks coming here, the White Sox wouldn't have gotten Ken Griffey Jr. Or the deal wouldn't have been made how it was because they acquired Nick Massett in that Brandon McCarthy trade. And he was traded along with Danny Richard for Ken Griffey Jr. So a lot of what ifs there. What if that deal happened? Was Ken Griffey not going to be a White Sox? But let's get into the real what if. And this what if is why I think the White Sox could have won the 2006 World Series and repeated if they were more aggressive in free agency. Shocker. So let's let's go away. This is now 2005 offseason, right? The, the A-Rod thing fell through. Manny Ramirez is about to be a White Sox in three years. A-Rod's on the Yankees. Maglio Ordonez is a free agent. He signs with the Tigers in the 2005 offseason. 2006, the Tigers go 95-67 and 67 and win the wild card and go to the World Series, ultimately losing to Tony La Russa's Cardinals. The Sox went 90-72, and 72, so they were five games back of the Tigers. They finished second in the wild card, third in the AL Central. And I started to wonder... How much better would the White Sox be if they just signed Mags? Because this was also the offseason they got rid of Aaron Rowan and brought in Jim Tomey. So they were losing outfielders. However, apparently Mags and Ozzy were getting into it and Mags didn't want to play for Ozzy anymore. They ended up solving the beef and clearing it up. And Ozzy wanted Ordonez on the 2006 All-Star team. So it was all fine and kissy and everything. So maybe the Sox could have cleared it up. But it did seem like maybe Mags just wasn't going to get that contract, especially that time with the White Sox money-wise. And it didn't seem like he was vibing with Ozzy. So Mags goes to Detroit. He becomes a Tiger. They go to the World Series. Seven years, $85 million. But I was just thinking and, and, and seeing 90 and 72 White Sox finished third in the AL Central. They're in the best division in baseball. And I just think like, all right, well, where could have this where could this team have gotten better? And you, you look at the outfield, they got 405 plate appearances from Brian Anderson. He was the 2003 first round pick, 15th overall. So they wanted to play him. They thought he was going to be ready. You know, he already had three years in the minors and he was good defensively, but he was horrible offensively and ended up losing his job to Darren Erstead in 2007. They also got 290 play appearances from Oakland's finest, Rob Makoviak, and they got 203 play appearances from everyone's guy, Pablo Ozuna. And that, in 2006, the White Sox center field position produced a weighted runs created plus of 74. And their defensive run saved was minus nine. It was a bad, bad position. Now, the mag signing would have been tough. $85 million wouldn't have been a nice addition to the White Sox payroll. In 2004, 
They were at 65.2 million. 2005, they were at 75.2 million. And in 2006, they were at 102.7. So they were increasing. They were spending more money. They just signed Pauly to a long-term deal. So I don't know if they were going to be too active in the outfielder free agency class. But if they were, I think they could have won the 2006 World Series and repeated. I know the pitching kind of fell off near the end, but let me just talk to you. Kenny Lofton was already on the White Sox, but if they added him, he signed that year with the Dodgers for one year, $3.85 million. He was worth 101 weighted runs created plus, and I think that Kenny Lofton could have added fantastic element to that 2006 team, and I'm disappointed they didn't try him out. But if you're not happy with Kenny Lofton, you're not happy with that reunion, we could have stole a guy from a rival team, Jock Jones of the Twins. He was worth 106 weighted runs created plus in 2006. He was worth five defensive runs saved in 2007 when he played in center field, and he was signed to a three-year $16 million with a uh, contract with the Cubs worth $5.3 million. So if the White Sox just spent a little bit more money, a little bit more money, they would have been up around you know $107 million. And I think they could have competed for a World Series championship in 2006. So I think your biggest what if, at least that I could find uh, in the past couple of years, as long as I've been alive, was what if the White Sox signed Jock Jones in 2006 to be their center fielder and didn't have to rely on Brian Anderson, Rob McCoyak, and Pablo Ozuna. And I know some fans might be, you know, what about the 94 lockout season? What if Shoeless Joe Jackson never got banned? Maybe he'd be a Hall of Famer. We could talk about all this. If you got any what ifs, call in 312-566-8727, or you could write in at LockdownSocks at gmail.com. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. On Friday's show, hopefully my microphone will be working. I'm not sure what we're going to be doing. I think I'm going to bug someone to join the show. We might have a little guest. I have a guy in mind that I'd like to talk about, but I got to make sure that it flies with him. So, you know, kind of on the fly here, if you want to know the Sporkle Quiz, there's going to be one. I'll tweet it out on my Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson so you can play along if there is a Sparkle Quiz on Friday. Now go make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. I will talk to you on Friday at midnight. Sorry for the delay today. I'll talk to you next time on Locked On Socks.